Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in the safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's happening with you? Oh, Manny, Manny, Manny. Uh, you know, as we say at the end of the show, trouble never ends. Well, I'm going through one of those periods that uh, proves that to be true. Your struggle, your struggle continues. What are you still having? Uh, house problems? And- uh, you know, uh, the, I'm still having that on and on and on the street. They've they've torn up the street in front of my house. You know, still seven o'clock start every morning. Uh, now I can't drive to my house anymore because um, I have to park on another street and walk in. Uh, it goes on and on. I, I can't even get into all of it. It would be, it would take, take us too long to dig our way out. If I, if I, if I laid all that out right now, but how are you? I, well, I'm fine. <laughs> I, I mean, so they've dug, I mean, I know the city is all of a sudden during this pandemic, they thought it was a good time to dig up everyone's street and try to make it a real street instead of just a, you know, a, 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 a series of speed bumps and potholes. Um, <laughs> So they decided, I know they've been working in your neighborhood for the last year, and they finally hit your street. And uh, is, it, is it, I mean, you have a one-way, your street's a one-way street, right? It's a one-way street, um, yeah. except now they've torn all the street out. It's all like a beach in front, you know, it's a dirt road, but you can't drive on it because it's all river sand. You would just sink in, so it's basically a beach. And uh, now, interestingly enough, you know, I still had uh, uh, storm debris. I still had all this, uh, this wood from a, a tree in my backyard sitting in front of the house. And uh, so the, the guys, as they had dug the, the hole in front of my house and they were kind of moving on down the block and tearing up more street, they said, uh, hey, uh, if you want, we can uh, get rid of all this stuff for you. And I said, oh, yeah, what are you going to do? I said, we'll just throw it in the hole. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. they did so so they so that's what the road is going to be built on top of is all this uh you know rotting vegetation from from my backyard you know just yeah, <laughs> just throw, throw it in the hole and we cover it up and uh you know no harm no foul yeah well that sounds about right for, <laughs> for, the, for the logic in, in, in this town and the, our our utilities company that yeah yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, fill it up. You know, I could have said, well, I got a couple of bodies. What, what do you think yeah, about that? Oh, exactly. sure. Yeah, throw, there's plenty of room. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got some old furniture that I've been meaning to get rid of. You know, just throw that in there. Right. Now, it's bullshit. The one thing that I have going for me in my neighborhood, because I live near Jazz Fest, you know where I live, um, sure. uh, is that I'm one of the only two-way streets in the neighborhood. So my street is very important for a lot of things that go on in my neighborhood because for the schools in my neighborhood and mm-hmm. I think for jazz fest also. So, I mean, they've come in the last 10 years. They, I've seen these guys come and they start spray painting things and stuff like that on my sidewalk, on the street, you know, in front of my house, all that kind of stuff. They come like every three years, but they haven't done a damn thing yet. And I think it's because we're a two way street. Okay, saving you, saving yours for the for the last till they have all the I ones guess. around you. Yeah, well, I guess good. I guess that's something I should be grateful for. But uh, you know, in in some ways, I can still park. You know, I, I park in well, my wife parks in front of my house, and my daughter parks my car at her boyfriend's house. Anyway, that's a whole <laughs> di- that's a that's a whole different you know 
yeah thing going on. Sure, you know? sure. You know, but uh, yeah, so it's crazy going nuts, and the city's crazy going nuts. It's you know we're getting ready for this election, and right. stuff is happening. You know, a uh, famed trumpeter, whatever his name is, Irvin Mayfield. Yes, he finally got sentenced. I saw that today. He got sentenced, or today or yesterday, right? Because uh, he was uh, he was the head of the library uh, board or whatever the public library system. Yes, Ray Nagin, uh, famously a uh, you know, former mayor and and uh, convicted con- convicted uh, criminal. Um, Ray Nagin put put uh, Irvin Mayfield in in charge of the uh, the library foundation of the and uh, the yes, city. He, yeah, yeah. Yes, he em- embezzled uh, one point six million dollars from the library fund. And, he bought uh, a golden trumpet too. He bought all kind of stuff. Yeah, took trips all around. Uh, stayed in the the Ritz Carlton in New York. Uh, financed uh, concerts at. Uh, but I love his apology. Did you hear his apology? What was that? Well, his apology said he said it wasn't greed. It was my ego, is what he said. Okay. You know, it's like, well, okay, that's great, man. Fuck you, you know, <laughs> fuck you, man. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't make it too much better, does it? No, it doesn't make it better at all. But but then he was he could have gotten five years, and they gave him eighteen months. Right, they gave him eighteen months. Now, eighteen months doesn't seem like a long time on paper, but man, eighteen days in jail would be a long time, you know. So, well, uh, it depends on what kind of jail. The thing is, he could be going to the Ray Nagin, uh, Bill Jefferson type jail where, you know, and get up and go play tennis and stuff like that. Or, yeah. he, could, or he can go to the kind of jail that me and you are used to. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> like a Turkish prison style. Yeah, yeah. It's Papillon Island. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could um, put him in charge of the prison library. There hey, you go. Well, I'm not sure that that's a good idea, Rick, but, uh, you know. Well, you can enforce all the late fees. Well, right. that's, that's what I was thinking. I, I think he milked the money to pay back all his overdue library books. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. I think he was yeah. pocketing all yeah. the late fees. That's yeah. the problem. So, you know, it's just, it, it's just par for the course in this city. And you know what's also par for the course in this city, Renee? Hmm. I don't know if you read this, but um, – there's another uh, a royal royal family name that's in the news. Did you hear about William Ta- Taylor Barry the Third? No, you haven't heard about this guy because no. we've, we've talked about these people who are like the second or the third who are just in trouble. You know, sure. Over the years, we've talked about this. William Taylor Barry the Third is a 69 year old man who lives in a very posh neighborhood out in the Lakeview area. And for the past 10 years, he just walks around his neighborhood exposing himself. Oh, I saw the headline. I didn't dig into the details, but okay. Oh, well, I thought you might have because he's the third. And we've had other, you know, uh, topics with guys the second or the third and stuff like that. But yeah, um, he's been doing this for ever since uh, post-Katrina. He's been a guy who's been exposing himself. And now he's 69 years old. And he got uh, cited again for walking around in his underwear, you know, holding his penis. Oh, jeez! And uh, you know, sixty-nine years old. I, you know, I, I don't want to see that. I don't Nobody think wants to see yeah, that. Sure, sure, that. sure, sure, sure. I'm fifty-eight. I don't want to see. I'm fifty-eight. I don't want to see. You my don't face. even want to look in the mirror. Yeah, right? I, I can't oh, look yeah. in the mirror. You know, right? It's like <laughs> it's like that scene from Poltergeist. I look in the mirror and I start, you know, you know destroying my face you know <laughs> uh anyway uh but yeah he's been exposing himself and the neighborhood is finally they've had enough 
I'll bet. They've had enough of this guy. And apparently he gets cited. He goes to court. And he keeps, uh, well, as a pun, he keeps getting off. You know? <laughs> um, but right. uh, one of the funniest quotes was, is that a neighbor uh, said, she said, you know, she was so frustrated. She says, you know, he keeps getting cited, but he keeps slipping through the cracks. You know? Um, so, uh, okay. William Taylor, Taylor Barry the third, 69 years old, I either say, you know what, stop doing what you're doing or more power to you. You know, I, I, I don't know at, at that age, you know, it's that age. It's like, you know, if, you know, if you drive a car, why not just go as fast as you can, you know, <laughs> you know, okay. but, but, uh, you know, you're that age already. So whatever, but He's someone to look out for, I think. He keeps he keeps getting bailed out for some reason. Judges keep citing on his favor. I don't know because because he's Barry the Third. Maybe yeah, he has, maybe he's, maybe he's got some political connections we don't know about. Yeah, just like Irvin Mayfield. You know, I don't right. know. Well, I did see that that, that Irvin Mayfield had uh, a, a lot of supporters. A lot of people came to his. Well, uh, yeah, our uh, mayor, our mayor, right. supporting him. Right, right. Uh, Marlon Gusman, a uh, uh, civil sheriff, uh, went on and on. Uh, yeah, big, big, the, list, list of, the list of criminals goes on and on. It's well, in support of Irvin Mayfield. You know? Allegedly, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. well, it's all allegedly. You know. Right, right. Well, except for except for Irvin, he he pleaded he pled guilty. So that's well, nice. yeah, and no his, longer his, legend. His partner in crime pled guilty and so like right, that. Right, right. Anyway, so well, well. Speaking of uh, music personalities. Uh, my son, you know, he's a, he's a big, uh, basketball enthusiast. Um, and he's, yeah. he's back in town, uh, you know, working during the daytime studying and then doing some teaching, but he's involved in this, uh, intramural basketball league, uh, one of the, the local, uh, clubs and, uh, this, there's like six teams or so. And one of the teams has a, uh, a, a an international rock star is, uh, is a member of the team who lives here in new Orleans. Yanni, not from here. It's not Yanni. Uh, I don't want to say his name. I just want to leave it anonymous. Um, but, uh, I, but, uh, so, so, uh, Daniel's team played this, this other guy's team, uh, earlier this week, a few days ago. And, uh, Daniel winds up guarding this guy and you know, Daniel plays like a new Orleans street style basketball. So he's right up on you. He's touching you all the time and, and people don't like it. And he knows that. And the, the more you react to it, the more he's, he keeps touching you. And, uh, this guy at one point is a real big guy, bigger than Daniel. Daniel's six, two, this guy must be six, four. And like Kanye you know, West, it's not Kanye West. That's a good guess, man. But I, does he have a house here? I'm not sure. I have no idea. But uh, but so so Daniel's guarding this guy, and the guy the guy starts making this move where you he you're holding the ball over your head, and you kind of swing your elbows back and forth to try to get make space, you know, yeah, back somebody yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, Right. So he's doing that, and he comes up and catches Daniel under the chin with one of the elbows, and uh, and cracks Daniel's tooth in half. <laughs> well, and uh, you think that's funny? Well, I, I think it's 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 funny that you know you wouldn't expect uh, someone to to inflict that kind of damage in a uh, an intramural uh, game. You know, it's not like they were playing for uh, the championship or anything. But uh, well, you know, uh, if Daniel's going to play that hard, the guy is going to come back at him. I, you know, I I don't understand who this person is. I don't understand why you bring it up if you're not going to give the person's name. But I get I get it. But you know, it's like the time back in the in the mid '80s. I used to play a lot of basketball in L.A., 
and uh, we'd have pickup games that we used to, uh, a bunch of us would uh, break into this uh, school in the west side of LA and, and use their gym. And the janitor would come in and say, what are you guys doing in here? We would just pay him off. Um, but um, the actor, Timothy Hutton, you remember Timothy Hutton? I do. Yeah. 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 He was yeah, in that ordinary people movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, was a yeah. real tearjerker, man. Yeah. He was a real yeah, tearjerker. Anyway, he uh, he found out about our game because the game got popular. You know, a lot of rock stars and stuff, and mm-hmm. local LA celebrities. Manny Chevrolet. Manny Chevrolet, and you know, I'm a small guy, so I'm like a little point guard kind of guy. Uh-huh. You know, an outside shooter kind of guy. But one of the games we got going was I had to guard Timothy Hutton, okay. and he's like six two or six three, and I'm like five eight. Uh-huh. You know, I'm tiny. On a good day. <laughs> yeah, I'm 5'8 on a good day. Exactly. You know, if I can get my sneakers tied and stuff like Anyway, um, you know, and I'm doing kind of what Daniel would probably be doing. It's like, well, this guy's bigger than me. I have to play some defense on him. Right. I have to play, you know, I got I to gotta be aggressive. Right. And uh, so I'm up guarding Timothy Hutton, who's an Academy Award winner, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, who dated Uma Thurman. Oh, who, nice. uh, you know, who I pretended to date for a while. Okay. Uh, um, but anyway, uh, I'm guarding him and I'm really like, I'm like kind of like your son was, I'm kind of like just all over, very aggressive. And he's dribbling the ball in front of me and he just laughs at me. He just goes like, what the fuck are you trying to do? You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's, you know, I'm, I'm sizing him up and stuff like that. He starts dribbling and I steal the ball from him. Nice. I steal the ball from him. I throw it to my uh, other friend, Dave, and he goes in for a layup and stuff. And I walk back and I start going, you, man, got you, motherfucker. You, you know, face <laughs> on you. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, he'll he'll probably never admit that and stuff like that. And our team ended up winning by a couple of baskets. But, you know, it's like, you know, it's you got to respect people. I know uh, – uh, competition is is competition and stuff like that but you gotta like uh you know give your give your uh uh, uh you know the guys you're playing against give them a little respect you know don't break someone's tooth right right like that. because now i'm hoping daniel sends them the dental bill yeah well D- daniel was saying uh uh yeah, I told him. Uh, he said I gave him every opportunity to offer to pay for it, and he uh, he never uh, never engaged that idea. So, uh, well, as it turned out, it, what Daniel had, saw the dentist today, and it was uh, repaired. It's uh, hopefully that's all it was, is, is what it appeared to be. It's not a not a huge thing. Uh, we have a, a fantastic dentist that was able to uh, to to get him all fixed. Was it Doctor Milo? Uh, the dentist. No, yes. no, we have Dr. Yu. She's a, a genius over at uh, faculty dental practice. She's a... Okay. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, listen, I got a lot more stuff to talk about, but let's get our guests involved here because they're yes. exciting to me. Yes, yeah, yeah. We have, a, we have a, 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 a team of guests here. It's very unusual. Only a few shows have we had more than one guest, but uh, this is a special show. <laughs> so, 
So uh, I've known these people for a long time. Uh, they're in a terrific band. It's uh, it's a uh, it's their band's been referred to as uh, the music is Americana from the wrong side of the tracks. It's uh, a trio. They play uh, rockabilly, surf music, country, R and B. Uh, it's kind of a reverb drenched uh, trio, and uh, so we'll we'll get into all of that. Uh, without further ado, from the band Southern Culture on the Skids, the great Mr. Rick Miller and Ms. Mary Huff. Welcome, hey. Rick and Mary. Hello, Renee. Hello, Manny. Oh, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Our pleasure. Our now, are pleasure. you guys are you guys an item? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were. You were, but you now you just play in the same band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the music. It's the, not quite a, it's not like the Hillbilly Fleetwood Mac <laughs> uh, quite that bad, but we just kind of broke up and then said, uh, well, I'm seeing it. It's my day ago. of practice. Well, so, yeah. Mary, this is what I tell everyone. You're, you're better off. <laughs> ah. She is. And I'll say that too. She is. <laughs> Because I've yeah, never no, met no. Rick, I've never met Rick, but I can tell you right now, you're better off. <laughs> but it's great that you guys are still together in a band. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you guys are in Chapel Hill now. Carborough. I'm in Carborough. Right, okay. right over the Chapel but Hill it, line. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's Carborough. Yeah. It's Carborough. okay. But yeah. so the I I first met you, Rick, uh, back in like uh, 1984, I think. I was uh, on the first trip out with Alex Chilton, and we played the Cat's Cradle, and I, I think uh, Southern Culture played on that show with us. Yeah, yeah and you and uh, I think you guys all came over. I was living with a, a girl called Leslie Land at the time. Well, Not yes. the platonic. Yeah, who was the first bass player. You guys slept at, the, slept at her condo, right? Uh, what that that does ring a bell. I do remember Leslie. She she played she played on a few uh, a, f a few shows that 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 we played with y'all. That's um, right. It was before Mary's time, I was uh, yet mm -hmm. to yet to to meet her. I remember Alex stayed up. We stayed. I had some old JB Lenore records. I remember him eat, uh, eating like half a brick of cheese and uh -huh. listening to some blues. That's what we did that night. And I think you were you were there for a while, but I think you and Doug like wandered off and went to bed someplace and you guys were touring that big i think it was a pontiac was it a pontiac or a buick lesaber buick lesaber yes that's brown, it oh, and yeah. yes brown yeah buick lesaber at, at one time we uh well for all of that time we we didn't have a, a lock in the in the trunk we just had a hole and uh and to open the trunk, we we had first a screwdriver, and then we lost the screwdriver, and and I took a pencil and sharpened the pencil, and you you would like not into just into a kind of a square, and you would feed it in through that hole, and you could open the trunk. Um, now you couldn't really leave anything in there, and it would get you pulled over in major cities. You know, we got pulled right. over in in New York because you you got you have no no trunk lock. It looks like a stolen car. You know, so. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we uh one time we traded our van. Our van broke down in in um God, where was it? Ritzville. That was when it broke down in Ritzville, Washington, oh, out yeah. in Eastern Washington, and we ended up. It was a it was like a stretch van. And we had to, we were supposed to be in Vancouver like the next day or so. And we ended up trading a guy, our van for his van. And it was a Chevy short bed 
uh, van. It was with, an old Bell telephone. It was. It was an old Bell Primer telephone gray, van, and it only had two seats in it. So one of us had to sit in a lawn chair. Remember, Mary? <laughs> and, so, and we didn't know it until we got on the road. But it had one tire that was a different size, right? Oh, so Jesus. we couldn't go over 35 miles an hour or you just veer off the road, right? But that was also a screwdriver operator. That was just, and the reason I bring that up Ignition. is that was a, when I, when I handed the guy the keys and our registration, he handed me a register, a title and a screwdriver. And I said, <laughs> you know, I, we, I go, the, our tools are coming with us, right? So I don't need your screwdriver. He goes, no, that's how we start it, right? <laughs> Oh, so at one door was held on with a bungee cord. Remember that there was no locks and we drove 35 miles an hour as far as we could get until we could find a locksmith. And, uh, he, he needed to look at the, 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 uh, the title. And I was looking at it with him and I realized that, uh, it didn't, that wasn't the guy that sold us the van. Yeah, it was a third party. And, yeah, and I thought we had a stolen van. Yeah, so we woke up where they um oh uh, where they filmed Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks in that little city, yeah, we and we woke got up the. There but the guy was in a band, so he fixed the brakes, and he gave us locks, right? And he fixed ignition, so we could lock the doors, turn the van on. We got the tires fixed, but then we thought we had a stolen vehicle, and we had to cross the border into Vancouver. Oh, jeez. Right? So my mom was married to a judge in california so i called the judge up and i said what should i do i gotta i'm supposed to play tonight in vancouver and we i think we might have a stolen vehicle should i go to the police and he said whatever you do don't go to the police you'll never <laughs> make it to vancouver <laughs> good advice yeah so we drove that van for what two and a half weeks you had bronchitis you had to sleep on top of your equipment well, what did you trade for this van again it was a Ford 15 passenger van, but it had broke down like three or four times in the three years we had it. And we were so sick of it. And I mean, in this town, like every business had the same name on it. So we yeah. figured, oh my God, we'll be stuck here for, and we've already been stuck in Montana for 10 days on a tour earlier with this same van, right? Oh, where, where, I mean, and that was a horrible story too. We got it. We had to wait for 10 days to get it fixed. And the, and the uh. last couple of days, the engine got flown in, but they couldn't fix it because the guy who was fixing it, his horse was sick. Right? So he had <laughs> to stay home and take care of his horse. You should have just traded the car for a horse. And well, I tell you, we should have because we'd have made better time, right? We got <laughs> 60 miles down the road to Miles City and we threw another rod. So he sent some friend of his out to get us with a homemade trailer and a six-cylinder Jeep uh, truck. Well, the van with all the equipment weighed more than the truck. So every time we'd go over 15 miles an hour, the front wheels of the truck would go rise up <laughs> off the off the off of I-90 or whatever it was up there, and we would veer off the road. So we had to go 15 miles an hour for 60 miles. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> right, After already being broken down. It sounds like uh, uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber on that <laughs> right, scooter. Right, yeah. right. Well, I, I was I was going to say, and and people think you're putting on being a hillbilly, Rick. This is it's it's all it's all totally true. It's all totally uh, legit. Yes, go on with your hillbilly but, story but, here. But you made it to the gig, right? You made it to the gig. Well, wait, we did. Didn't we park we, that in front of Geffen, and then we begged him? Well, that was the one that we got in Ritzville. We drove up and down the West Coast in that thing. 
And I remember we had just gotten signed to Geffen and we drove it right to Geffen's offices on Sunset Strip. And we said, <laughs> if you don't give us $15,000 to buy a van, we're going to write Geffen sucks on spray paint and we're going to leave it parked in front of your damn building, right? <laughs> on the street. So they did. They gave us 15 grand and we went out the next day and we bought a van. But then we were driving to Vegas for our next show and we dropped our axle. Our differential or something went out. 40 miles from Las Vegas. 40 miles from Las Vegas. But we wrote a song about it called 40 Miles of Vegas, which they play for NASCAR every once in a while. So we made some money. It all works out. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It all works out. Well, Geffen, he's a good guy. He's a real good guy. (laughs) We never met him, did we? I don't think we did. Well, Well, that that kind of reminds me. It's a little bit like uh, my old friend in L.A., Bob Forrest, traded his car for $500 with a crack. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, that's well, a little probably, bit like that. Yeah, yeah. Like Thelonious that. monster. Is yeah. That? Oh yeah. Well, you know, crack has something to do with this story too, because when we were broke down, we were waiting for a tow truck driver, and he showed up, and he was high on crack. Yeah, we're like, who's this guy that keeps driving around the perimeter of the parking lot? Right. Over, is this is this? Our He's guy? looking for us. Yeah. It was Bob Forrest. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I remember, and the, all the crack vials were in the bottom of the bottom of the car. And every time he go around a corner, they tinkle, 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 tinkle. Right. Oh tinkle, man, tinkle, he was back and up. forth. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Well, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> man, those, those crazy road stories. Well, let's let's uh, go back a little bit to uh, to to the the formation of Southern culture on the skid. So so back when I first met you, Rick, you, it was kind of a bigger band. Uh, you know, I don't know, four or five people, six people in the band. It seemed like, but but then Aaron? as I as I Maybe. as I came back, uh, you know, uh, time after time, you seemed to whittle it down. And then you, then uh, it's the bottom line, Renee. Bottom line, man. Less miles to feed. Then, then you had Mary there. Mary, what a what a find Mary was. Uh, you know, uh, lovely and talented. And uh, yeah. and then then y'all y'all arrived at uh, your your longtime drummer Dave Hartman, who's not here That's tonight, right. but uh, in spirit he is. Yes. And and then you you guys kind of had the 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 band formed there and what 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 year was that that was like uh, 87 88 or so 87 exactly May of when, 87, yeah, when mary joined. joined mary came down from richmond yeah. she knew us from playing with us in richmond yeah i played in a rockabilly here, band up in uh, richmond virginia when i attended vcu and uh i was a class i was going to i was studying classical music and i was just like i i, I just want to get in a van I want to join a band. I want to <laughs> Boy, go. I, I can't do this classical thing. It's, it's not going to work out. And uh, I flipped a, I flipped a quarter. And uh, there was two bands I was going to try out for. One was a punk funk band called The Service from New York City. And Southern Culture and the Skids needed a bass player. And that was the other audition. And it landed on tails. And so I did. Uh. And that's why I'm here. Well, uh, I remember when I first, when I, when the, I went through town and, and when I met, met you, I was on tour with, uh, Tav Falco's Panther Burns at that point. And, and we met Mary and Tav was, was, uh, you know, he had his, uh, his, the, the girl band, the Hellcats that he was, uh, he he was organizing. And as we left town that, that day, I'm climbing in the van and, and Tav goes, Renee, Go get that girl. We need her for for the Hellcats. I said, I don't know, Tab. I don't. I don't think we could. I don't think she's gonna. She's gonna jump in this van and go back to Memphis with you. I <laughs> sure. Like, I sure woulda. 
Well, he goes, he goes, go try. I was like, no, no Tab, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Wow. I'd still be living with Misty and Christy if that were the case. Probably. I think, I think Misty's in uh, France, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She just, just showed up. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, I, I see them on social media, Misty and Christy. They're, they're still out there. Yes. Wow. Shout out wow. to Misty and, and Christy White white yeah. twins the sin twisters yeah <laughs> yes 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 well so so uh but but rick uh getting back to the the foundation of of the scots as you're sometimes known or southern culture for short um you know you guys sh- share so much with uh some of my my favorite bands like the cramps you know uh, uh oh yeah is that how you kind of got to this music or were you already dealing with the source material and uh Tell, tell us about the you know the foundation of, of Southern culture. Well, it was I mean it all kind of started through wanting to be in a band with the Cramps probably and the whole punk rock kind of thing. I was living in uh, San Diego at that point, and uh, where are you from, Rick? Well, I, I was actually born in Michigan, but I lived in North Carolina until I was twelve, and then I moved to Southern California, and I lived there until I came back to North Carolina to go to graduate school at UNC. Mm. And that's where we started the band with See, my. Where roommate. in San Diego? Where in San Diego? We lived in Pacific Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah, my sister and my mom and my niece and nephew—they all still live there. So, so we used to go to the Casbah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that place. Sure. Yeah, yeah the Casbah and the, yeah. and brick by brick. I think was where I saw the cramps. I used to see so many great bands in San Diego because they all come to Southern California and they play Los Angeles. And then most of them would come down to place in San Diego, but it, they would play smaller venues. So it was actually kind of a better shows. Yeah. Belly up and uh, brick by brick. Yeah. Cat Did you ever, like you know, a lot of those bands like, uh, would go to TJ and play too. Yeah, that's right. There was a Be- club in, T- in Tijuana. For yeah. There's a too. couple clubs in Tijuana. I don't remember the names. Where uh, a lot of the underage uh, San Diego yeah. kids yeah, would right go there, there because there was no law down there. You know, you'd go there, just cross the border, go to TJ, and you know, yeah. you'd be 15, 16 years old and seeing bands like The Untouchables or Fishbone or all those bands that would play down there. And oh, I yeah. did, yeah, and you know, and uh, you never got carded. Until yeah. you tried, until you tried to get back to the USA, and that's when the trouble happened. There, there was another cool club in San Diego called the Zebra Club. Did yeah, I remember the Zebra Club. Yeah, no, I never went there. Um, you know, I grew up in West Side of LA uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. So I, you know, I did the whole punk rock scene. That's why I know guys like Bob Forrest and Flea and stuff like that. But the San Diego scene was, like you said, a lot of these bands would play like the Palladium, Hollywood Palladium, and then they'd go play a small venue in San Diego, and it was like, right. wow. Yeah, those were, those were probably the better gigs. Yeah, they were great shows. I mean, like you know, X, Plim Souls, Cramps. I don't know, tons of them. That, but uh, but anyway, but uh, as far as the music goes, yeah, the the Cramps kind of in, made me want to start a band. But I was kind of into. I remember growing up in Southern California. I mean, the stuff on the radio was horrible, except for I remember like Dave Edmonds, right. you know, and some and Commander Cody and things like this. this is when I was young, and I was like, ah, I like that music. Why don't Why don't they play more of it, right? Instead of like Christopher Cross and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and. and uh, and I remember Tower Records wasn't far from our house. And I remember I had a, the first record I bought with like lawn mowing money was uh, Vincibus Eruptus by Blue Cheer. But mm. 
the reason I bought it was because it had that song Summertime Blues, uh-huh. right? And I was like, I was reading the back of it, and I go, oh, Cochran, Cochran. They didn't write this. Some guy named Cochran, E. Cochran, you know what I mean? And, right. Anyway, so I go to Tower Records, and I dig through the racks, and I found my Eddie Cochran record. I was like, wow, and I, I bought it and brought it home. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? You know, it's like, wow, your eyes open, you know, the heavens open. And uh, I'm looking at that, and I go, oh, yeah, hallelujah, I love her so. I love that song. What, Ray Charles, huh? So I go look up Ray Charles. You know what I mean? That's how I kind of grew into the music and stuff. And I don't know. And when we started, and then when I was in a kid in North Carolina, listening to AM radio, I was in a little town called Henderson and we only had two radio stations. We had a very diverse listening audience for the one AM station. So I heard everything. I think the first song that really grabbed me was green onions probably, but I mean, they played green onions. They play Aretha Franklin. They'd play the Beatles. They'd play the Yardbirds. They'd play Buck Owens. Right. So I just always figured all that music just kind of fit together. And that's kind of, I think, been the inspiration for the band, too. You know, it's just kind of like a like a Southern plate lunch. Right. Where you got, you know, you got your blues on this side and your rockabilly over here and a little bit of surf over here from from the West Coast and this. And in the middle, you know, it all kind of goes together. And that's always the best bite. Right. Right. (laughs) And then you dine and ditch. (laughs) So, Mary, wait, wait, Mary, where are you from, Mary? Oh, I'm from uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. I'm from uh, Roanoke, Roanoke, Virginia, southwestern Virginia. And uh, I went to uh, college up in uh, Richmond, and then I ended up in Chapel Hill. I've been in Chapel Hill for 30, ugh, 30, yeah. 33 years, <laughs> quite a while, but... Um, and the drummer uh, Dave Hartman, he had a, he used to party with my big brother. They and, played uh, in high school bands yeah, together, right? Yeah, we played right? in cover bands together. And when I was fifteen or sixteen, um, what was the party. name of your first cover band? The my first cover band, we were called the Trademarks, and we did like <laughs> oh I don't know like Gang of Four covers, Pretenders, oh. Elvis Costello, X. Um, Excellent. You know, yeah, yeah. In the early '80s. One of the best shows I ever saw was at the Santa Monica Civic, seeing Gang of Four open for Iggy Pop. Oh my like god! It was like nineteen seventy nine, I think. Nice. And it's probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. You know that I can remember. You know that kind of stuff. That's. I mean. You, you know, uh, speaking of, I remember they played in in uh, San Diego in a place where I don't know it was half, maybe half full, but it was. Uh, the Elvis Costello, Nick Lowe, uh, uh, Rock Pile, and Mink DeVille. Oh, wow. That was God. an incredible triple bill, too. That's amazing. That's yeah. fucking amazing <laughs> gig. Yeah. I, I was listening to y'all's music the past few days, and it's it's really helped because, uh, you know, I've, again, I've, you know, in, in this uh, somewhat dour mood, but y- y'all's music is so fun and and it's it's you know dance party music. It's all stuff you can do the twist to. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's music to clean the house by for sure. I I, I would. <laughs> well, I should I should introduce my daughter to your band. <laughs> you should. <laughs> well, you know we have a lot of people that come to our shows, and it'll be three generations, right? It'll be their kid, like the mom. 
and dad and then the grandparents and they'll say, man, we love your band because you're the only band that like when we're all in the car together, your music is the only music that we can all listen to without getting in a fight. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Wow. What's not to like about Family Southern values. culture on the skids, man? Well, what's not to like about rock and roll, right? Yes. Yes. I and, mean, really, and, it's fu- it's good time music. Right. And, you know, you guys have that, as I said, uh, you know, the the spring reverb drenched and and, uh, <laughs> yeah. was, and also, uh, you know, Dan Electro powered, you know, there's never a shortage of Dan Electro guitars on, on y'all's no. gigs. Never well, rock and roll should be played on cheap instruments. Right. I mean, you know, just just for me, my opinion. Right. Well, it always sounds terrific in your hands. You know, it doesn't. It's it. It has just the right cheap sound. You know, cheap and 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 powerful. Renee, you can't imitate cheap. <laughs> yes, he doesn't need to. He's cheap already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the real thing. I don't have to do an, an imitation. Comes natural. That's right. yeah, yeah. It comes natural. Well, you know, I was thinking about the the whole y'all's whole history, and you know, we're. The last 10 years or so, we've been in a kind of a DIY phase of the music business in that the whole thing has been kind of demonetized and everybody has to do everything for themselves. And I was thinking, well, you know, you were doing that 40 years ago and and already were very, you know, self-contained, you know, could make your own records, uh, you know, on site. And uh, so, you know... talk about that i mean this was no big transition for you no i mean i just i just figured we always needed to be in control of our material of our own material right and i mean we started on a port of one in the basement remember over at the original kudzu ranch and uh we've always just restarted doing our own demo tapes making cassettes sending them out you know and uh it just kind of went from there i remember we got signed to um when we got signed to, to DGC they gave us an advance not much it was like 10,000 bucks but we we I remember we bought a uh, we bought a Tascam 8 track a little Mackie board we bought like 3 SM uh, 58s I think and some mic stands and we went into a garage and we cut uh demos for uh the dirt track date right well I remember one of those songs was called um, Red Beans and Reverb. Yeah, and Soul City. <laughs> and Soul City. And the Red Beans and Reverb immediately got put in a movie called... Um, Flirting with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster. With Love that movie. Yeah, yeah, so we like doubled our investment like overnight. And I said, wow, this <laughs> recording stuff works, you know? <laughs> I love that movie. What scene? do you? Can you recall what scene your song was in? Oh, oh well, I know the Camel Walk was in there and Red Beans and Reverb. Lily but one Tomlin of them, and Alan Alda have tantric sex to Camel Walk. It's like a big sex. Oh, uh, a I big thought... sex montage at the end. Everybody's getting it on and they're playing. Camel well, there's Walk. a lot of the, some people are tripping on acid, I think, oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and I think doesn't doesn't like uh, who who Mary Tyler Moore like give like yeah. George Siegel, a, 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 a BJ? Wow. Oh, like got to see this I movie. Am, I, I, I don't know. I this. No. I hate saying it because no, Mary Tyler Moore looks like my mom. Huh? Right. And, and then Ben Stiller is the, the lead. You haven't seen this movie, Renee? I don't recall seeing it. Oh, I mean, it God. You got to you you know? see this movie. It's hilarious. Oh, it's a hilarious. <laughs> it's about a guy who's. Ben Stiller's parents are George Siegel and Mary Tyler Moore, 
and he's adopted and he goes looking for his real parents. That's why it's called Flirting with Disaster. Oh, I do <laughs> kind of recall that. Maybe yeah. I haven't seen it all the way through because I missed the Mary Tyler Moore part. I, and I'm a big fan, so it's, that's worth it's worth the pri- worth the price of admission. I think to it's go at the very and, end. I think she, it's she does a nice, uh, uh, you <laughs> know, nice ta-ta shot yeah. or her rack, I'll say. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, with a bra. Anyway. And, and okay. your your song was there, I think, for that scene. I think. Yeah, yeah. There, we had a couple in that movie. Anyway, so nice. yeah, nice, so, nice. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay, well, well, now, Manny, uh, having having said that, uh, I, I think it is a good time to take a little break and uh, refresh our cocktails. Yeah. All right, Let's guys. Let's all have a drink. Yes. Yeah. Well, we do this. this Here's, to Here's to Mary Tyler Moore. Here's to Mary Tyler Moore. Here's to flirting with disaster every day of my life. Cheers. (laughs) All right, we'll be back, nation. You know the drill. We'll be right back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guests, Mr. Rick Miller and Ms. Mary Huff from the great Southern Culture on the Skids. Hello. 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 I love it. Now, uh, uh, Rick and Mary, um, we've we've had uh, sponsors uh, come and sponsors go. Uh, we're, we're back to our original sponsor. And which they is- usually go because of Renee. Well, I don't think that's true, Manny. <laughs> I think anyone who's listened to the show clearly knows why we would lose a sponsor. Um, uh, but, but we're back to our original sponsor, uh, Loose Change. And uh, Loose Change will never leave us because, uh, you know, Loose Change can't leave us. It's, it's in your pants pockets. It's all around us. It's in your bank account. It's in your daughter's room. Um, so, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast and, and loving these fantastic guests we keep bringing you week in and week out uh get some skin in the game uh uh, you know you can contribute to the podcast uh we have the the paypal link we have the patreon page you can join 
Um, just about to go start uh, cutting some lawns for our the highest tier of the uh, the Patreon page. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Um, I hear should, some coins. There you that's go. Right. There you Mary's go. Some, got some coins. Mary, you guys are real professionals. You, you come up with the with the the, the audio cues. I'm uh, all about the props. Fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love some some foley work there. Um, so uh, so you know. Uh, Yes, uh, support change. support the podcast uh, through the through all the links there in the show notes or the yes. the, the Facebook page, and uh, you know follow us on uh, social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts because that really helps and and uh, helps to spread the uh, the word, or you should help to spread the troubled word. You guys should do yeah. a, a remote location shot from a traffic island somewhere in New Orleans. <laughs> okay, well. Well, you know, Rick, every once in a while for fun, I take my loose change and I throw it under the Claiborne overpass and watch the homeless jump through traffic to try to get it. That's okay. what I do every oh, once in a while. But you you said pocket change and it reminded me all of a sudden the sense memory came up I, in eighth grade I had a woodshop teacher named Mr. Pateski and we called we called him pocket pool Pateski because he was always, always had his hands in his pants you know doing his loose like change that, like <laughs> juggling his loose change in his pocket oh jeez yeah, pocket pool Pateski. He was a woodshop teacher and the orchestra teacher. So go Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a combination, no, no, man. You no. must have gone to a small school. No, no, no. I'm from L.A., man. I went to public school. I went to big schools, man. I went to my middle school was probably about fucking 600 kids or something like that. I don't wow. Know. So your woodshop teacher was your orchestra teacher. Yeah, in, in, in middle school. You guys school. make clarinets in woodshop or anything like that? Or something? <laughs> they made those reeds or whatever they called them. I don't know. Oh, oh, okay. I don't know. Right. I, I I made a I made a, a a serving tray out of wood. That was my final for his class. Oh yeah, it's just like a board, right? Yeah, it was basically a board with handles. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got I got like a C plus for the you effort. You weren't too ambitious in that class. No, yeah, woodshop. <laughs> did, I didn't dig woodshop at all. <laughs> I I, tr I tried to get a B by giving him like eight quarters, but he didn't go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you can dig down deep for those quarters. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, fucking right, right. 1978, man. That's yeah, that's silver, a lot man. of money, that's man. That's a lot of money. Sure, sure, sure. It's real silver. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't have wood shop anymore. My son's in high school. No wood shop, no metal shop. We had both. Yeah. We did it. I think our final project was like a key holder, though. That was really popular, right? In the shape of a key where you cut it out with the band Yeah, sure. And, you know, and maybe you burnish it a little bit or burn it a little bit. And But it's all about the finish, right? All about the finish. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, when I was in middle school is when they were integrating things, you know, uh, socially and stuff. So, like, I took wood shop, but then the next 10 weeks of the semester, I had to take cooking. Oh. Where a girl who was taking... Yeah, a girl who was taking cooking had to take print shop because we had print shop, we had wood shop, we had draft, oh. all that stuff. Metals, we had metal shop and stuff like that. Right, I had metal shop. We had wood shop one semester and metal shop the next. Man, I right. love metal shop. Actually. So, but you know, we had to take like I would take you know ten weeks of metal shop, and then the next ten weeks was uh, sewing. Ah. You know, I had to well, you're, you're a you're a you're a well-rounded guy, Manny. Well, I got I got you're D. quite a catch. I got <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you would think yeah. You know, 
But I remember in the cooking class, um, you know, it was me and five other guys. We, you know, they put them in gr- like six different groups of guys. And the final was making sugar cookies. <laughs> that was our final. You know, okay. while our girl, the girls who were that's taking cooking were in print shop having to make a rubber stamp. Right. You know? Well, that's, that's what you call grading on the curve, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, I like it. I like we it. thought, we thought, me and two other guys thought, well, sugar cookies should be easy. It's just, you know, what, batter, eggs, and sugar, whatever, you know. Butter that, and sugar. Yeah. And for some reason, we got an F because one of us, instead of putting sugar, we put salt. Oh. <laughs> uh. well, well, did you serve them up on the tray you made in Woodshop? That might count for something. <laughs> well, it, it, those cookies ended up being sawdust, basically. <laughs> yeah. You, know. you use them yeah. for the potholes in, in New Orleans. Well, yeah. Uh, it's all coming back around, Mary. Pocket pool, Mr. Pocket pool. I'm, right, I remember right. these opening segments. Wow. Right, right. Well, uh, well, back to Southern culture on the skin okay. for, for, for a moment here. Um, so, you know, you guys are, you talked about your, your, you've driven several vans into the ground, you're hard touring. Um, yeah. You've been doing that for years and, and I would always, you're, you're, you know, one of the Iguana's favorite bands. Anytime hey. y- y'all would come through, we'd always, the whole band would be there to, to see you guys. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you've, put out so many records you know very prolific band you know uh and and but i remember when you got signed to geffen suddenly we never saw you anymore i, I was i was shocked i don't know what happened it's like well gee where is this they're they're on a major label and now i never see them we <laughs> well gone. just wait a couple records you'll see us yeah you saw us again they were yeah, yeah. They, they did they, they did actually hard. you know that whole record it was a it was a total fluke i mean that song the camel walk was total filler on that record, right? When when we made um, Dirt Track Date, it's like we uh, we we cut it in three weeks. We made it for hard nothing compared to like what all the other bands on Geffen were doing, right? right. And we did it. We co-produced it ourselves, and we did it down in Charlotte, close to home. And uh, and we needed a couple songs. Uh, and the producer Mark Williams said, "God, you know that single I did with you guys? It had that song on it called Camel Walk. We need a couple more songs. Let's recut that and we'll throw that in there." So we did, and it was we totally buried it. Right? It was like the seventh or eighth track, maybe mm-hmm. or something. And uh, we've been on the road for a whole, uh, basically a year, doing uh, Voodoo Cadillac, Soul City. I don't know uh, things like that, and they're getting played on AAA. But then some guy down in Florida played Camel Walk in one of their Target for modern rock at that time was a big deal. And the radio people played it and like they, you know, the switchboard lit up, I guess. And I remember they called us up and said, you got to get back out on the road, man. We're uh, the camel walk. It's hot. It's hitting, you know, and we're going, what, you know, what? So, uh, we ended up being on the road for 300 days out of 365 that year. Holy cow. And y'all wound up playing uh, the Tonight Show during that period? Is that is that when that... When we, that did. T- we did. We did. Cher got sick. And, yeah, uh, Cher called, got sick. They called they Geffen got us. for a, a, a fill-in, filler band, and they, they said, okay. And she's and we, never gotten well since, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and we were on with uh, Kevin... Was it Kevin Bacon? Oh, yeah, Kevin no. Bacon. Was it Kevin Bacon? It was Kevin Bacon. Was it? Yeah. Was it Johnny? Was it Johnny? No, it wasn't oh, Johnny. We're not that. No, it was uh, it was Jay. Okay. He was really nice he though. He was really cool because I mean he was dug cars and we so this was dirt track date. You know. Yeah, we talked. So about what year cars. was this? 
95. Oh, okay, okay. So you're with you, Geffen. Who, what other acts are in Geffen at that time? Well, they were flush with Nirvana money, right? Oh, so I think yeah. that's how we got signed, to and be Guns honest with you. And Roses money. And, well, yeah. we, we, had, we had a guy that, they had a guy that worked there, Ray Farrell, who was a great guy. Oh, he I knows know Ray Tav. Farrell. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah, I was, uh, Ray yeah. Farrell was out on the road with, with Tav and us he, for a little bit on yeah. the That's right. That's right. And I think he used to work at, was it SST maybe? SST. And then he brought uh, uh, Sonic Youth over to DGC well, too. Well, when they signed, when Sonic Youth got on DGC, I believe they bought brought Ray over to do like alternative music kind of publicity promotional, I think, because he had worked at SSD. Anyway, he loved us and, and he got in touch with us and said, I want to get you signed to DGC Records, Geffen Records. And he did. But he uh, we had two A&R guys, Todd Sullivan and Ray Farrell. They were great, actually. They were my favorite part of being on a major label was our, our A&R guys. We really liked them. Now the rest of the label, I don't know. But uh but anyway, it was right. a good experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then and then and y'all were also on uh, on Conan O'Brien at that at that time, right? And, and, yeah, and, and, and for several times, man. Well, he must have yeah. loved you guys because I know he's a big rockabilly fan, and uh, you know. Yeah, redhead. yeah, it was. You know, the uh, we did run into some problems. I remember with Dirt Track Date that album. We got it all finished and done, and then we had a real problem with the artwork. Well, I looking back on it. I can't believe they wouldn't we accept put, it. We put. <laughs> well, what happened was we had our, our buddy, Ron Keith, going out on the road with us, oh taking pictures for the album. Uh -huh. And uh, and he we were at the uh, I remember where we were. We were in Tennessee. We were at the Oak Ridge Speedway. Spe Atomic Speedway in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where they invented the part the atomic bomb. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was a dirt track race that day. And we went in there to take pictures. And we did. The, all the cover pictures are from that that event that day anyway we were walking through the pit area which was also a campground area and there was a used condom and on the ground <laughs> and a tire had riven over it right so it was kind of imprinted take a picture of this take a picture it's poetic it's poetic this is a dirt track date this is a dirt track date right <laughs> so so we submitted that to him for the album cover and they it got they got it right, right. It, they did it they put it on there we couldn't believe it <laughs> right but then the shit storm started like yeah. after it was out and people started complaining like from record stores and they'd pull it out of the racks in florida <laughs> so we didn't gross. get to play at nasa remember we did a space ghosting they wouldn't let us play and uh anyway mm -hmm. but they put a sticker over it after a while but uh but yeah and then you a, just told them that it was a wilted piece of i told them it was a wedding ring a wedding band on a wilted piece of spinach yes uh. I do remember that cover, though. And yep. they bought it. At least somebody did. I don't know. Right. That was the time, too, we made the New York Times because we got kicked out. Uh, we couldn't play NASA because we said the word dick in Soul City. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Uh -huh. And it was, hmm. a, it was a Space Ghost contest, and they had all these families, 50 families from 50 states that won. They all got to go to NASA <laughs> for a buffet, and then we were supposed to play at NASA, like down in Satellite Beach, wherever it is, uh, you know, down in Florida. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they wouldn't let us play on government property because we said the word dick in Soul City. It don't matter if your dick is big, Wait. your dick is tiny. If It don't matter yeah. if your pants are shiny, if your dick, dick is, is big or your dick, dick is, is tiny. Right. They flew me in from like San Francisco or someplace, right, to Charlotte to replace that word dick with the word wick. <laughs> so if you ever heard that on the radio, I don't wick. say dick, I say wick. wick. Right? Anyway. Uh -huh. 
So they moved the show and they bust everybody out to Cocoa, Cocoa Beach. Beach. And it was all mm. strip clubs. <laughs> it was like all strip clubs. So here's all these families in these buses, right? These massive buses. Off of going, the NASA base yeah. into Cocoa Beach into a half-built pavilion. That's right. That's right. Surrounded by titty bars. Yes. Very strange. And yeah. the rocket launch did go off. Yeah, But you did. didn't want to stay. It did. To watch it the did. fucking yeah. rocket launch. So. Anyway. I saw it Just another there. little side tour there. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. No, we love it. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, fellow travelers, uh, you know, like the cramps and uh, and and also, uh, you know, uh, there, there's some association you guys have with uh, Hazel Atkins, right? Uh, oh, yeah. The Hayes. Uh, we were good friends. Well, how, how did that come about? Tell the people a little bit about about uh, about Hazel and and uh, and and then talk about how you came to to be associated with him. Well, we uh, tell them who Hazel is. Hazel is this one man band from uh, Madison County, West Virginia, He's Boone County, man. Boone County, wild Madison, man. Boone County, West Virginia, and uh, he lives back in a he lived back in a hollow in a shack, and he made all these records by himself, like starting in the fifties, and all. He was like one of the, the he was like the first DIY guy in a way, right? Uh -huh. You know, they think all these alternative guys. No, this guy was doing it back in his shack, and he was making all these incredible records. Well, Norton Records. Uh, put out a bunch of compilations of his. And that, I think that's where I first heard of him probably was Boo Boo the Cat. No, or, more, hot uh, no more Hot Dogs. Yeah. And um, anyway, we had mutual friends and they uh, set us up on a little tour. So we did a little tour with uh, Hazel. It was like Athens, Atlanta. Yeah, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, Chapel and Hill. Uh, anyway, so we became really good friends and he wanted to be on our label. And which we were on a small indie label. We were making our own records, but we were on a small indie label uh, at that time called Moist Records. And he <laughs> said, Rick, I want to be on your label. And I said, okay, has. And I mean, he used to call me once a week from a truck stop collect, right? And every time a car, a truck would go by, we'd have to start the conversation over. It was, uh, it was kind of expensive. But uh, we just got to be really good friends. We talked all the time and stuff like that. And he stayed at our house. Yeah, he would stay at our house and uh, when he was in town and and stuff like that. Anyway, well, that's, you, you guys mm -hmm. must be uh, uh, friends with Miriam Lena, and are uh, you guys uh, associated yeah. with with uh, Norton Records in, in some Billy way? Billy and Miriam. Well, we're not associated with Norton, but we know Miriam. And matter of fact, we uh, we played and helped uh, induct. Hazel Atkins into the West Virginia Musicians Hall of Fame a couple years ago, and Miriam was there too, and nice. uh, she accepted it for in uh, for Hazel. They had a life size cutout of Hazel Atkins. Yeah, Patty awesome. Smith was there to get one for Fred Sonic Smith. Yeah, he was from uh, West Virginia. And oh. Fred Fred Sonic Smith was from West Virginia, so cool. Patty Smith was there, and uh, Ann Magnuson was there. Yeah, oh, from wow. Bongwater. Nice. Right, right, she's from oh, West Virginia. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like what? Longwater was one of my favorite bands in the early '80s. I yeah, I like that, that band yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Was that Shimmy Disc? Was they on Shimmy Disc Records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kramer. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. So anyway, so that was that was exciting. And I I, th I, th I think uh, uh, that uh, Miriam had a uh, like a 
Campbell's soup can that was signed by uh, Andy Warhol and, and I think right. famously Hazel, uh, she came home and Hazel had opened the can and eaten the soup. Right. She came home and told Hazel that she was sorry that she left him with nothing to eat in the house. And she goes, oh, that's okay, Miriam. I found a can of Campbell's soup. I found a can of tomato soup. <laughs> well, when we were on the road with him, I remember we yeah, some epic night of partying with him and... Uh, Oh, we lost him one time. We lost him in Athens. We just lost him. He just wandered off in the bushes. And the next day, somebody who was in our with us, Dave and Lori, were cruising down through Athens, and they found him in the in the in the truck with a guy that mows yards. (laughs) But he would carry his own soup with him, right? And an amending kit for his shirts. Yeah, he would like tear open his shirts uh, at the shows the night before. They'd always be sewn back up the next day. Morning, and uh, And, he. uh, he like he ate he ate raw he liked raw hamburger, and uh, I remember one time in Atlanta we were. Well, uh, who doesn't? <laughs> right, who does? It's good. It's protein, right? Yeah. And uh, we were at a, we were at like a kind of a foo foo coffee shop in this artsy little neighborhood in Atlanta, and Hazel showed up with a with a Belo grocery bag uh, with uh, raw hamburger meat and two cans of chicken noodle soup and a can opener and a can opener a knife. No, it was a pocket knife. With a can opener on it. And he, and he pulled out the can of soup and he set it on the table and he stuck his knife in it and he got that thing off and pulled back half the lid and one, two. And he looked at me, he goes, two slurps, Rick. He said, one for the juice, one for the noodles. <laughs> and then he started, and he picked the hole in the top of the, the plastic top of the raw hamburger and he just started eating it while he was talking to me. <laughs> All these people like with their cappuccinos and their mocha lattes <laughs> were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hazel was great. I loved Hazel. How is he today? He is, he's dead. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, go figure. Tragically, yeah. he's dead, but he died in, I don't know. It was kind of weird. I don't know what happened. He was in a, he got hit by a guy on an ATV, I think. And he was okay for a while. Right. And then something happened a few days later, I believe. And he, he passed away. So who knows? Very West Virginia type ending there. Yeah. 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 And I heard his neighbor was Jesco at one time. The dancing outlaw. Yeah. The dancing outlaw. And the whites. I go, wow, what a neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Block parties must be a blast. Right. 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 (laughs) No, listen, there's a really good, uh, the uh, West Virginia, what was it, Apple Shop, was it called? Did a really great, the wacky world of Hazel Adkins, which you got to see. Try to see it on, it's probably online someplace. You got to see so, it. It's, it's a so documentary? Good. It's a documentary. It's a documentary. It's a documentary. Oh. And, it, and yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It really, it will fill, the, it'll fill out the, the, uh, the picture here for the haze. He's, All right. All right, Nation. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. He's a uh, he's definitely a sanctioned uh, uh, artist on the Trouble Men podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, and speaking of weirdos, uh, so and you guys are also uh, uh, parodied by Weird Al Yankovic. Now, how oh, yeah. how did That's that right. how did that come about? Do you you guys uh, know. know him or, is it, or no. just just well, got lucky? <clears throat> when we were on Geffen, right? So, uh, oh, that's our right. Two years or whatever, two and a half years there. He, we were going to do a um, video for the House of Bamboo, and so uh, they had some uh, submission, some ideas for the for the video. And Weird Al wanted to do it. Um, he wanted to uh, do the video as uh, Gilligan's Island. I oh, was that it? Yeah. So he showed up for a meeting, and he came to a show. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, that's how we met him. Yeah. 
And then Dave stayed friends with his drummer. Dave's yeah. friends with so many drummers from famous bands. Bermuda yeah. Schwartz. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so there was a connection there. And um, right. freaky. Anyway, yeah. So, freaky. you know, it's a funny thing about Weird Al is my daughter a few years ago got into Weird Al. And apparently he was playing in Biloxi. I said, well, yeah. let's go see him. Let's go see Weird Al. But it was hit. It was 21 and over to see Weird Al Yankovic. Was it in a casino or something? Uh, It was. I think it was in a casino, Mm. but I mean, it wasn't like on the casino grounds, but it just seemed weird to me that it it couldn't be 18 and over or, you know, why was it 21 and over to see Weird Al Yankovic? I mean, he's cutting half his audience in half and his ticket sales in half. Maybe the act has gotten very blue at this point. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But a good buddy of mine back in L.A. uh, was uh, the co-star with Weird Al in his first movie uh, called... uh, UHF. UHF, yes. UHF. Oh, I remember that. I saw that. that Yeah. Yeah. And that was a movie that everyone thought was going to be panned, but uh, Siskel and Ebert gave it a thumbs up. (laughs) So it actually actually made money and got their money back and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the funniest thing was... There's this friend of mine who I'd known from high school who was an actor. He got the part playing Weird Al's roommate in this movie. And um, they stayed friends, kind of. And me and me and my friend came back from a, a, a Van Halen concert without uh, David Lee Roth. It was the first tour with, uh, what's his name? Oh, Sammy Hayden. Yeah, Sammy. And it was awful. It was just <laughs> awful. But we... You know, we get back to my friend's place and he, you know, this is when you had answering machines Mm -hmm. and we turn on his answering machine and there's a message from Weird Al saying, hey, Dave, man, the uh, the movie's done really well. And and he left us like half hour message. It went on for like a half hour. It must have been on a cassette tape. Yeah, well, yeah, those answering <laughs> machines that had those mini cassette tapes. Yeah, right. Those mini, and it went on for you know twenty to a, twenty minutes to a half hour, and and I told my friend, I said, save this because you can use this again some later in life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Did he? I have no idea. I think they're still friends, actually. You know, to, to be honest with you. Coming up to uh, the the present time here, you know, talked about you guys have all, all these records out, 17, 18 records at this point. Your most recent record, you you recorded uh, over a lockdown, right? It's uh, yeah. at home with Southern Culture on the skids. Yeah, we did it in my living room. Okay. Tell us about that record. Brought the equipment home. Yeah, well, I mean, I have my own studio, like, outside of town, and, uh, but, uh, I had to stay home because my son, you know, was there was no school, there was no nothing, right? And um, so I just brought some preamps and some mics and stuff home, and I got a really pretty, I got a high ceiling in my living room, and this kind of a strange uh, oblique uh, walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it actually sounds really good in here. So we set up my son's drums, which is like kind of a, a small kit. That, what's that guy? From uh, the the TV show that has those drum kits, uh, oh, uh, Questlove. Questlove, yeah. Uh-huh. I, we have a little Questlove drum kit, and we say it actually is about the size of Doug's. I always loved Doug's drums, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah. Doug Garrison's got that uh, that that sixties uh, Gretsch kit or early seventies yeah. Gretsch kit with the eighteen inch bass drum. Yes. Yeah, I love it, and it sounds so good. Anyway, so we uh, we set up the drums in one corner of the room and just wrote and ran some mics and and uh, we just uh, made the record in my living room. You know, it was kind of a little more low key because the volumes were lower and stuff, but it worked out. So we so would just be good. on hold with DES for three e hours for three hours. You know, oh, waiting yeah. for unemployment to pick up. Uh huh. And cut a cut a few vocals. do a few takes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, right. So we have plenty of time. I love those records where where people are just kind of sitting around in a living room. You know, I think that first Liz Fair record is is recorded like that. You know, just kind of kind of yeah. sitting on Bradwood's uh, couch. You know, doing yeah. uh doing uh doing doing. Takes. Well, that's not, yeah. I mean, all of our records kind of have a little bit of that on them because we've uh, it's kind of how we make records, right? So there's always of, a lazy boy in proximity yeah of, right of the- and you know what there's nothing better than listening to the mixes in a lazy boy recliner That's okay yeah okay i mean really nice and uh, <laughs> anyway so yeah it was a very comfortable record nice nice and so so now i'm, I'm looking at y'all's calendar it's uh it's looking very filled up at this point i'm a, you you actually have dates booked a whole year out you have dates booked all the way to november of 2022 yeah, well, that's all dates from November 2021 and November, you know what I mean? And the spring just, of 2020 and right, and just keep getting the, pushed back. So you guys must be mm-hmm. excited to get back out there on the road and climb in a van together, right? I know, uh, you know, everybody <laughs> I know is 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 jumping out of their skin to, to go see a, a town other than theirs for a change. Yeah, no, I'm ready to play. I really like. I mean, I like playing music, so it's I've missed it. So it'll be nice to get back. So to during it. the pandemic, did you do a, like a lot of bands did, or just do like this live shows from your house? Nah, I think those kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. The most most of them that I watched, they were just bad. I, I t- technically and visually, they just didn't make it for me. Nah. I didn't do too. I didn't do too many, but um, but I know a lot of bands had to do that to survive. Well, we made records. We made two records, a single. You know, we reissued some old popular T-shirts. You know, we just tried to keep the merch going and promoting it online and things like that. And that actually kind of worked out for us. Yeah. And we got a couple royalty checks that helped a bit. You learned how to make a video. I did learn how to make a video. I got Final Cut Pro and learned how to make a video on my computer. So we made two or three videos. So we had a little bit more of a presence on the YouTube and for all the youngsters and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> right, right. Final Cut Pro, man. That's, yeah. that's old school. That's it is old school, <laughs> man. But it's new. It's all new to me, man. <laughs> it's all new to me, man. Yeah. Uh, Renee, we made our docu- mo- mockumentary on Final Cut Pro back in 2002. That's right. <laughs> right. No, no, I remember. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it still works for me, you know. And sure. Hey, whatever works. Man. Yeah, and it was yeah, I'm cheap. Gonna, I'm going to mix this podcast on uh, GarageBand. So, <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, but that was fun. And you know what was fun too is I went uh, for the one video of Run Baby Run. I went and got a bunch of. Uh, I found a bunch of horror movies that were public domain, and 
where I could lift some of the stuff. Yeah, and we got a green Mm -hmm. screen, right? I learned how to use a green screen. So we were running and stuff from giant, from uh, some of those giant Japanese monsters and a little bit of House on Haunted Hills in there. Nice. And uh, yeah, Night of the Living Dead. We borrowed Uh our friend's motorcycle and I sat on it. Yeah. Yes, I watched that video today. Uh, You you (laughs) were on the the motorcycle. Yes, it's... You know, the one regret about that, other than, you know, I probably should have like lost a couple more pounds for I hoisted myself up there, but... (laughs) Uh, is you should have done some some motion shots because really it doesn't look like I'm really moving at all. Well, people uh, are just watching you sing. <laughs> I think it matters. It's better anyway, Mary. It, it okay. gives it cheesier yeah. the, 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 the better. Right, right. Gives it that whole period uh, B movie D movie look. That's right. right. That's oh, right. Yeah, that's right. The low that's budget. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love movies like that anyway. <laughs> sure, Big. sure. It's it goes along with with the whole aesthetic, man. That's that's where it's yeah. at. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those movies, it's kind of like songwriting. It's like you come up with a good line or two, and then you just kind of fill it out, right? It's like those movies, they come up with a really lurid poster, and then they go get some investments, you know, <laughs> and write the movie around the poster. Yeah, no, I I, I, I worked on this thing with uh, Doris Wishman. Uh, oh, and- yeah, right. And oh, she, and man. she and she said that's exactly what she would do. She would think of a good title, and then right. make a poster, and then she would write the movie around that. Right, oh, right, oh. right, right. Like, yeah, I oh, think yeah. you know. And she, I think she's got like a whole thing on the Criterion Channel for the last couple of months. You know what I mean? Like all the art stuff. I think there's a whole Doris Wishman. Uh, uh, like uh, retrospective. Yeah, right. Like five or six or movies, like Nude on the Moon, and uh, right. You know, and I don't know, good girls, bad girls go to hell or something like that. Or yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that that was up. So it's 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 yeah. great that uh, that Doris is is still uh, you know still still resonating out there with the <laughs> with the with the art crowd. Oh yeah, and, and you know we did the soundtrack to Blood Feast Two, and uh, a buffet oh, of blood. Jackie, nice. do you know Jackie lives in Slidell? Jackie, uh... no, it's not Slidell. It's on the other side of the lake. I can't remember. It's north of New Orleans. Covington Whatever. or something, Mandeville, yeah. somewhere Mandeville, over there. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Anyway, yeah, he was he's down in New Orleans. I don't know if he still is, but uh, we did the uh, soundtrack for um, Blood Feast Blood Two. Feast two. Buffet of Blood. Buffet all of Blood. Eat. All you can eat, yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, you're getting me hungry. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're kind of on the downslope of the podcast here, kids. Uh, you have any, any final thoughts for the Troubled Nation? Uh, you know, uh, positive uh, uh, affirmations or, or just just keep rocking. Well, come see us when we come to your town. <laughs> we'll make you smile. Yes, look out for uh, Southern Culture on the Skids. You won't be sorry. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. And we'll get you over this, this pandemic hump. We'll yes. work on it. Yes. We'll do the camel walk. Right yeah. on. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Rick and, Mar- and Mary. It's, uh, it's always great to talk to you guys and great to be able to catch up and... Uh, as always, in the Troubled Men podcast, we like to say, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. <laughs>